Well, good morning. It's great to be here. And uh, as Andy said, I, I uh, did BCM for about 12 years, and it was such a blessing to be a part of that. And, um, and BCM stands for Baptist Campus Ministry. I always have to remember to tell people that, say that, because sometimes people ask, what does BCM stand for? Um, up in Morgantown, and uh, it was such a blessing and an honor to, to do that, and I uh, love working with college students. And uh, I'll just share a little bit about what I do with the Blue Gold Ministries. Um, God was uh, leading us into a, a transition period from, uh, from BCM and uh, into this new ministry. And I met up with a guy by the name of Greg Matheny. And uh, he owns a property in the area of Morgantown. And about four years ago, it's great testimony, he came to know Christ. Four years ago, his wife was um, uh, really on her deathbed, actually. They just had their, their third son a year ago, or a year before that four-year period of when he came to know Christ, and uh, she had a C-section, but she had some complications that year to the point where her artery was actually expanding and uh, eventually going to explode, and uh, she would have died. And um, the crazy thing, they caught it just in time, and, um, and she was in a coma for three days. And the doctor told him, have you checked out the chapel? And so she, he went to the chapel and he called up a friend of his and he was a believer, his friend was a believer and, and through that, that whole uh, incident, um, he was able to accept Christ. And um, he ran, uh, what, what, what's cool is that um, he owned this property downtown and it's called the Q and, uh, well, Tunes and Q it was called, but uh, it used to be an old bar pool hall. And um, he just, once he accepted Christ, he shut the thing down for like a year and a half didn't do anything with it because he was so convicted about having a bar. And uh, I met him about a year and a half ago, and we started journeying together. And he said, man, what, what can we do in this building? And so we started to um, offer it to some college student, or college groups like uh, BCM meets there now. They meet on Tuesday nights. Uh, also, uh, uh, Chestnut Ridge uh, College Ministry meets there on Wednesday nights. And so we're just trying to figure out, okay, what can we do here? And so our, our goal for this, this, uh, uh, this center, this ministry center that we're working on is um, a ministry center that's, uh, that, that uh, reaches to the brokenhearted by being a hope and light for the city. Um, because, uh, man... If you've ever been to, to downtown Morgantown, sometimes it gets a little dark, I guess you can say, and, uh, but we have an opportunity to be a hope and light to shed the gospel of Jesus Christ to the, to the downtown area. And so under that, under that umbrella, what I do at uh, the Blue Gold Ministries is so I deal with, I direct the, the queue, I run that. Right now we're in renovation mode. Um, and then the other part, the other piece is I'm the pastor director of our sports ministry that we do. We're the only faith-based uh, traveling basketball team in the area. Uh, we get people from here, this area, we get people from Elkins and Parkersburg, and they come up to Morgantown to be a part of our traveling team. We have a 7th, 8th, and ninth grade boys basketball traveling team. So I, I lead the huddle groups, and I also lead... Um, uh, devotion times for the parents as well during practice and stuff. And it's a fun, fun time. Uh, we're always, you know, in need of support uh, through prayer. Obviously, we need support through prayer and also financial support. We're, you know, we're having to pay a, a hefty amount for rent. 
Um, and so we need help. We need churches or individuals to come and, and see that need. We just had a couple come forward to give us some money, um, a substantial amount of money for renovations at, at the queue. So we're very thankful for that. We're, we're looking for um, ways to, to get a sound system for downtown or for down there at the queue because we're going to offer Christian concerts and stuff as well um, downtown. So I'm excited. We're excited about what God's going to do and uh, the opportunity to do uh, ministry down there. So, um, so that's enough of my spiel. I, w- I just wanted to share a little bit about who I am and what I'm doing. And it's a, it's a grassroots thing. I was intrigued by it. We're going on faith. We're trusting that God's going to do some amazing things there. So anyways, if you could turn with me, uh, we're going to look at Psalms 1. Psalms 1 is the passage that we are going to focus on this morning. I love, <clears throat> I love the book of Psalms. I love probably, I mean, I love a lot of books in the Old Testament, but Psalms for some reason hits me because whenever I read it, I can relate, whether it's the psalmist that wrote it or David or Solomon or whoever wrote uh, their, their chapters, I, I could just relate to it because sometimes there's those moments of joy and then you're like, okay, I feel like you know, I'm um, dealing with uh, being in this pit, or I'm dealing with different things, but the joy is there for um, the, the purpose of, of, of really um, rejoicing in who God is. And um, this, this uh, Psalms is an interesting Psalms. There's only six verses in it, but it, it is such a powerful passage. So um, I'm going to read this to you, and uh, you can just read along. I read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Uh, It says here that the, verse one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, um, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners uh, in the congregation of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open up. God, we love you and we thank you so much that you are a sovereign God. You are an amazing God and that we can come before your throne right now. Um, as, as, as we've sang some songs and as we've just kind of entered into your presence, Lord, it is an honor and privilege to be in this moment right now and to be able to spend and, and, and spend time in your word. Lord, I just pray again that, there, that, that I've always prayed in my heart, Lord, that if there's any distractions or anything that I'm thinking about that I need to do, Lord, remove those things. Help me to focus in on what you want me to hear want us to hear, Lord. We love you and we thank you for everything in your precious name. Amen. We have to ask this question, uh, why is Psalms 1 Psalms 1? Because there's definitely some Psalms that could have been Psalms 1. Like, for instance, like, why couldn't Psalms 150, the, the very last chapter of that Psalm, of Psalms, be Psalms 1? You know, it, like, for instance, it says here, praise God in the sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. It says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
You know, you kind of wonder, like, why wasn't that Psalms 1? Or maybe, maybe it could have been Psalms 100 where it says this. It says, um, uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, it says. Uh, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Uh, know the, the Lord, he is God. Um, it is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, and, and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the, love, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We can go on and on wondering why this Psalms 1 is Psalms 1. And so um, we have to ask that question, why is Psalms 1 Psalms 1? It's because it packs a matter of supreme importance for us. Here are two ways, two humanities, and two destinies that are clearly spelled out for us in this passage that we just read. In Psalms 1, you have people that are striving for righteousness, and you have people striving for wickedness, okay? And there's no riding the fence, and there's no black and white here. All right, it's very black and white, but nobody's, you know, they're not riding the fence here. It's either this or that, and that's it. Those who are striving for righteousness delights in the life of dependence of, of divine instruction, and the righteous recognize the, the poverty of the world's wisdom and values and so orient their lives around God's revealed word. And those that are striving for wickedness are those who seek independence from God, those who have only a human or earthly perspective on life and those who live according to the world's standards and not God's standards. Maybe you know of people like that. I love, the pas I love passages like this because it is right in your face, basically. And it doesn't skirt around the issue, but it hits dead on. It hits dead on with you. It reminds me of what Jesus says in, in Matthew uh, 7, 13 through 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. They're few. And in Psalms 1, uh, we will see a glimpse of that unfold here. And I want us to notice uh, first what the psalmist says here and, and, and highlights uh, this direction of this believer's life. What is the first word in, in verse 1? It says blessed or blessed. And in the Hebrew, it means happy. It means happy. Um, and so, so we have to ask this question, uh, when are you blessed or when are you happy, okay? So I looked at some verses that I thought was interesting to, to help us to reflect on how we are happy or when we are happy or blessed. Um, Job 5.17 says, behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves or being corrected. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. So we are to be corrected, you know, we're blessed when, when we're corrected by something that we shouldn't be doing. Uh, we are longing for that constructive criticism that is in our lives, that we need, we need mentors, we need those that are godly men and women that are going to correct us when we need to be corrected. Um, we want God to, to correct us and break us down so that we can image him, we can represent him well, um, and, and to strive to be like him. Another way of being blessed is in Proverbs 3.13 says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So this is a simple thing, is, is, but it's hard to do sometimes because I know time gets away from us. 
but it's spending time in God's word. It's praying. That's how we're blessed. That's how we feel that we're happy. And people see that in us. Another way is um, Proverbs uh, 28, uh, 14 says, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So we need correction to be blessed. We need to be happy. We need to, to be corrected. We also need to spend time and seek his face and his word. And then we need to fear God. You know, we live in a fearful world, right? But this fear is so different because we need to fear God and be in awe of who he is and to know that he is God above all of the gods. It goes on to say in verse one, it says, blessed is the man, and it's referring to a representative or someone of good example or of a godly person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, uh, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so this happy man or this blessed man uh, is enjoying God's blessings, is, is a separated man from the world, basically. A man who is not in the neutral zone, but who is uh, a bias against evil and in all its forms. So basically, he loves what God loves and he hates what God hates. The righteous man has no desire to walk in the counsel of the wicked, and he doesn't stand in the way of sinners, and he doesn't seat, sit in the seat of scoffers. Derek Kidner characterizes these matters a bit. He says, the counsel of the wicked has to do with the way of thinking and forming plans, he says, with a mindset and outlook. The way of sinners suggests that their behavior, their actions and practices, um, and, the seat of, uh, and the seat of scoffers implies a kind of belonging um, where one settles most comfortably, perhaps with the scathing unbelief that wants uh, no truck, he says, with godliness and faithfulness, he says. So right off the bat, the psalmist is pulling no punches here, right in verse one, okay? It reminds me of uh, Romans 12, two, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Proverbs actually talks about the scoffer as a fool, he says, and so the fool is a sluggard and they lack sense and they act like a child. They hate discipline. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want that. So now the, then this, the psalmist here in verse two shows a positive side for a believer here. What does it say? It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night meditates day and night. So instead of associating with the wicked, the blessed or happy man basically is, is delighting in the law, the Torah, the instruction, the, the, um, the teaching, the doctrine of, of, of God's word. They take pleasure in it. Notice that he is taking guidance from the word of God and not from the counsel of the wicked. And also notice the progression of delight then meditation. Delight is a response of the heart to the beauty and value of something or someone. In this case, God's word. But meditation involves careful, sustained thoughts. And it takes work and it involves the will. Again, we, we might live busy lives, but here's a perfect example of us to just kind of slow down for a moment. Delight in it, meditate on it, meditate on it. And then it says, on his law, he meditates day 
and night. Meditate is a, is a verb that gives the idea of muttering or murmuring. It's kind of interesting in the Hebrew, um, or just talking to yourself. Not only are you ready, silent, reading silently, but you are reading it aloud. Let me give you an example. I'm, I'm kind of going old school here with this. But um, if you remember, before the GPSs were around, um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember that uh, with the GPSs. But, uh, you know, I'll admit as a, as a guy, I, you know, if I got lost, I would go to the gas station to get directions, right? And so you go and get directions, and what do you do? You ask, okay, so how do you get to this point? And then they'll be like, well, you go to the second light, turn left, go about two miles, turn right, and blah, blah, whatever. And so I'm just trying to, in my mind... I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm like, okay, I gotta go to the second light, turn left, go two miles, go right, and follow that. And I'm walking to my car and, and trying to memorize that to remember so I don't forget, right? Well, that's the same thing that's happening here when we read this in verse two and he's, when he's saying that he, he meditates on it day and night. What he's doing is he's, he's constantly throughout the day walking with the Lord. He's muttering, he's murmuring. He's, he's, he's trying to remember scripture. He's trying to be, hide it in his heart. He's doing that, and it's a, it's a special time. It's a special moment. Dale Ralph Davis says this. He's like, so total immersion in the word of Yahweh forms the basis of a believer's life and is his or her pleasure and preoccupation. So you either go to the counsel of the wicked or you will go to Yahweh, right, to, to the Torah, to God's word. Which one drives your life? Think about that for just a moment. Which one drives your life? Um, this is why I love verse three. Let's look at verse three. And this is what gives us a description of the believer's life. And I love this. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he what? He prospers. He prospers. And so this is the result of a believer living out the law of the word of God or the word of God. So basically what we see here is that the righteous man has stability. He's planted. He's got vitality. And what that means is he's by, by the streams of water. Productivity, it gives off fruit, right? It produces fruits. Durability, it will not wither. It will not wither in prosperity and all that he does, it prospers, basically. The tree is well-nourished, and you see it. You see it in, in that person, and you're like, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a tree that's planted on the word of God. It doesn't mean that it is going to be easy. Obviously, you will face trials and persecution, um, but think about a tree, you know? I mean, we've seen the devastation down south here, but if bad weather comes and it's not rooted deep, what happens? It gets piled over, right, by a flood or by a storm or whatever, and it gets destroyed. You know, I can't help but think, you know, in, in, in the New Testament, the Gospels, where it talks about the wise man who built his house upon the rock, right? And then the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. What do you think is going to stand? <laughs> it's it's the, the wise man that did that because he meditates on the Word of God day and night. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water, it says, that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. 
for it does not cease to bear fruit. I don't know if you're anxious, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, there's moments when I, when I took on this job, I'm just like, okay, God, I don't know what is going to happen, but I'm trusting you. Help me not to be anxious. You know, I got three kids to support and raise. God, I know that you're in this, but help me to believe it. Help me to trust in that. And it does not cease to bear fruit. Psalms 92, 12 through 14 says, the righteous flourish like a palm tree, it says, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, and they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. And verse 14 says, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. I love that part. I love that verse in verse 14 of Psalms um, 92. It says, they will still bear fruit in old age. And I hope and pray that as my kids... Are, are, get older and then they get married and have grandchildren, I hope that the legacy continues. You know, I love um, an example for me is my great-grandpa Cox. He lived to about 96 years old and I loved him to death. He was one that was faithful every day he, or every Sunday he would go to church. Every Wednesday he would go to church, you know, and, and um, he never missed except if he was sick. And he would always tell me, you know, as, as simple as this is, it's hard to do. He's like, Tim, just make sure, make sure that you are right with people. Make sure that you love your enemies before you die because you don't want that looming or hanging on you. Make sure you go to those people, love on them, forgive them. What a great example that he set for me. So this righteous person is planted and still bearing fruit. I love that description. I love those verses that describe a tree that's planted. So what do we see in verse four? What does it look like for one who is, isn't rooted, basically falls after wickedness? The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. That's it, period, <laughs> basically. When the farmer's fork scoops up and throws grain into the air, the wind blows light away like chaff. It just goes anywhere and everywhere. Nothing, there's no roots. So the contrast between the righteous, they're stable, they are flourishing tree, and the wicked are fragile and temporary. It never lasts. That's why I always, when I was doing BCM, I always tell the students, you know, you can go after all those things, but it's temporary. It satisfies for just a moment. But man, hanging on God's word, cherishing that, it lasts for eternity, forever. I love... Um, uh, this guy, Marvin Olasky, in the Prodigal Press, this is an old article, okay, tells of this guy, Horace Greeley. He says this, uh, the editor of the New York Tribune for over 30 years, okay, this guy Greeley, who believed man was naturally good, backed the founding of some 40 communes during the 1840s, okay, um, all of which failed. Uh, he advocated various other causes, among them free love, he was big on the free love. He always seemed to be pressing for something new as if it might usher in a man-made utopia, a heaven, right? Um, he was politically crushed when he ran for president in 1872. And after the election, he looked back on his life, viewed it as a waste and a sacrifice to one foolish crusade after another, he said. In a statement not long before his death, he wrote, I stand naked before my God, the most utterly, hopelessly wretched and undone of all who ever lived, he said. 
I have done more harm and wrong than any man who ever saw the light of day. And yet I take God to witness that I have never intended to endure or harm anyone. That's his legacy. That's what he left. Perhaps the only thing worse than being chaff is to know that you have been chaff. Just blown away. You try all these new inventions and they fail. Like Crystal, like my wife was singing, you can build your kingdoms. You know, Greg, who I'm teaming up with, he's like, before Christ, he's like, I had all these apartment complexes and I was just, I would take my wife around and be like, look what I did, look what I did. I was building my kingdom. But all falters, it all fades, it all goes away. Notice that there's only one line for chaff. Did you notice that in verse four? And really there's not a whole lot to talk about chaff. That's all I have to say about that. But for the righteous, there is a lot more detail. There's a lot more detail. Let's look at these last two verses here, verse five and six. What does it say here? It says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, will perish. This judgment is talking about the final judgment. And that is why Psalms one is so serious and solemn. Notice how the way the wicked are depicted. They have no justification and they will not stand in the judgment. They have no communion or fellowship with the righteous. They are cut off, no longer in the community of believers. The sad thing is that they have no hope and they're going to perish, it says. So you can't tell me that there's no such thing as hell. And as I sit here and as I talk to you right now, I think of people, I think of my wife's mother that is not a believer. As much as you try to witness to her and you talk to her and love her, she still is not there. And I know you know of many people there like that that don't know Christ. That is why it's so important for us to be a light and hope to the world. That's why I took this position on in Morgantown because I see you know, this need to be that hope and light to downtown Morgantown because there's such a need downtown. And I find it interesting that the first word in verse one is what? Blessed, right? Happy, being happy. And at the end of verse six, the last word is what? Perish. Two choices. Fall after righteousness or you fall after wickedness. Um, these are two realities that we have to face. We need to make sure that we are on the side of righteousness. And so how do we seek out righteousness? Well, I'm gonna give you the church answer is that we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. John Piper says this, the word righteous in verse six here presses us forward to Christ as our righteousness, he says. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So only the righteous will survive the judgment in the end. But who is righteous because no one is righteous? Psalm 14, three says, they have all turned aside together, they have become corrupt. And there is none who does good, not even one. In Psalms 133 through four says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And the answer is none of us. But with you there's forgiveness that you may be feared. Psalms 32.2 says, blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. 
So the righteous are the sinful who can somehow be counted as righteous when they are not righteous in themselves. And how can this be? How can a holy and righteous God not mark iniquity? How can a holy and righteous God not count sin? And how can he not require perfect righteousness or for his perfect heaven? The answer is that he does mark iniquity. He does count sin. And he does require perfect righteousness, and that is why in this Psalms, with all the Psalms, that leads us to Christ, to Jesus Christ. It leads us to him who is wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. God did, not, God did count our sin, and he punished it in Christ. Praise the Lord for that. He did require righteousness, and he performed it in Christ. Romans 10.3 says the goal, the goal of the law is Christ for righteousness for all who believe. And that's the same goal here in Psalms. The same goal here in Psalms. And so this gospel truth is a part of, of living water that flows into the roots of our lives. This is a part of what we meditate on day and night when we read and sing the Psalms, when we do those things. And this is the source of our sweetest delight. My hope and prayer is that you're striving after righteousness. It's not easy. You know, like I said, there's trials, there's persecution. You know, when I think of, I think of James chapter three, where we're, or James chapter one, I'm sorry, where it says, you know, consider it pure joy when you face those things. Again, how do we seek righteousness? We come to Jesus. Last verse before I close here that I wanna share with you is John 10, nine says this. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Man, I love that verse. You'll be planted there, right? That pasture, you'll be planted and rooted. I love that old hymn, Count Your Blessings. If you remember that, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings and see what God has done, right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat>